that when you can hold that presence with the dog and say, I got this, I know what's going on, and I'm in charge is probably the best way of putting it. And I love you and I'm going to look after you. Trust me, respect me, trust me, follow me, and I will look after you. When you know how to do with that with the dog, then you can win round an 80 kilogram, was 170 pound Great Dane. And that's why when I left these lovely couple last night, they were so excited because they've used all the treats and they're getting backed into a corner because the dog's basically saying, when I do this, you feed me. And if you don't, you're in trouble because yep. you have not won my mind. Yep. And, and with that dog, you can't physically overpower him. So they were really in trouble because neither of those approaches works. Yeah. The bribery, the physical force. But what, what was missing was this ability to, to form a really deep connection with the dog, which said, I'm in charge, I'm running the show, and you really need to listen to me. Welcome to the Call the Vet Show, the podcast that helped keep your furry family as healthy as possible so they can live the full and happy life they deserve. And here's your host, veterinarian, Dr. Alex Avery. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Call the Vet Show. I'm veterinarian Dr. Alex. I'm your host today, as well as a vet in general practice here in the other side of the world, probably from where you are in New Zealand. And I'm really excited for today's show. I mean, I say that pretty much every time I have a guest on because I have such great people to speak to. But the voice that you heard just then in the intro was the fantastic doggy Dan. Now, Dan is a dog trainer extraordinaire, if you like. He helps hundreds and hundreds of dogs actually in the flesh with one-on-one consultations. But he also has a fantastic online platform. He teaches dog trainers how to do the work that he does and how to really impact the dog's life and the life of their owner. And he's also written a book called What Dogs Taught Me About Being a Parent, which, as you'll hear, is something that I really need to get my hands on as well. But more importantly, Dan kind of shares my philosophy and thoughts about things that have really been occupying my mind recently, which is the fact that while dogs are part of the family, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely believe that, it's kind of core to everything that I do here at Our Pets Health and on the Call the Vet show, Dogs also need to be treated as dogs to be truly happy, to feel safe and to be as healthy physically and mentally as they possibly can. And really in practice, in my consult room, I see a lot of problems with badly behaving dogs. And I think a lot of that comes down to anxiety, to not really knowing their role and their place in the household. Now, we dive into this in a huge amount of detail with Dan. He shares his training philosophy about how it really is important to be the alpha in your relationship, how you need to be top dog in your family. But we can do that without hitting, without shouting, without using choke collars, without using any form of negative punishment. We can actually do it with pets, cuddles and affection. And so with that in mind, Let's jump into this fantastic conversation with Doggy Dan. So, Doggy Dan, welcome to the Call the Vet show. We've got such a lot to talk about today, and I'm really excited to have you on. So, welcome. Yeah, great to be here, Alex. It's all my pleasure. And what really, if we kind of start off with what really kind of attracted me to your message was that um, in your bio, you say, imagine threatening your kids all day long, feeding them ice cream for breakfast leaving them to watch an iPad for hour after hour, and then wondering why they're unhealthy, disconnected and misbehaving. And this is something that I've been thinking about 
more and more with my time in clinic and seeing all the dogs that I do. But I think that's a fantastic message. Um, so kind of what's that all about? What led to that thinking? What what does it mean? Well, I mean, if I give you the example of what happened last night, it was absolutely wonderful. I worked with a 75 kilogram. So what are we talking there? We're talking 140 pound, 140 pound, I think 150 pound. Great Dane. And he is the most beautiful boy. He is, he's, he's kind of just wants to play and he will not give in. And they're loving him and giving him what he wants and giving him what he wants and, you know, just playing with him because he wants to play. The problem is when they go outside, they can't stop it. There's no off switch. It's almost like that, was that, that fairy tale where the porridge pot just keeps making porridge. <laughs> and they can't stop it. And the dear lady who lives there, the, the owner, she probably, she weighs less than the dog does. Yeah. And so when this dog doesn't want to walk, he lies down. She can't move him. So the point is, all the bad habits are being formed in the house at home. And you can't kind of have a a child who's so badly behaved at home and then expect them to behave differently when they're outside. And you can't have a dog who's so badly behaved at home. And you're kind of cheating. You're kind of using all the, you know, oh, my dog's barking. I'll just give him some more treats. Oh, he's barking again. He wants some more treats. I just got to keep giving him treats. He likes his treats. (laughs) And then expect the the dog to suddenly be a a well-behaved dog when you're out on the street. So that's kind of where it's coming from. Uh, And if I'm really honest, we had a similar experience with our children. You know, we had some pretty average rules around the dinner table. I think, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was maybe you're allowed to, out. we had indoor and outdoor rules. And I think one of the rules was, you know, you could, I don't know, flick peas at your sister, <laughs> something <laughs> terrible like that. Well, I think we found ourselves in a restaurant and our children were only like three or four years old at the time. And we, we went to a restaurant or something and suddenly they were flicking peas at each other. And it was like, well, hang on. We can only, we've only got ourselves to blame here. We have terrible, quote, quote, we called it outdoor manners. Yeah. And the kids hadn't made the adjustment that when you're in a fairly, fairly posh restaurant, you're not meant to flick peas at each other. It was something along those lines. You, you have to be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I mean, from the treat example, I often say that dogs, our dogs are very good at training us as well in the sense that, oh, I'm going to buy every time I bark, I get treats. Hey, this barking's pretty good. Um, and I see that with yes. fussy, you know, small dogs being very fussy. And, and then as a consequence of that being overweight because they get, they don't get given yeah. good food. They get given all the table scraps because they're training their owner to give them the table scraps by turning their nose up. But we'll jump into this in a, a little bit later. But yeah, we you've kind of got that fantastic book. And uh, I mean, maybe it's one that I want to get, get need to get because my kids don't flick peas, but their table manners can sometimes be pretty appalling. So yeah, talk to us a little bit more about, about your book. Well, the reason for waving the book around is, is basically, as you're talking, I'm thinking there's a whole chapter in this book, which is called Humans Are Not Logical. <laughs> and when you talk about the dogs training us, the dogs are so logical. They are so logical. They go, what did I do to get that to have happen? So if they bark at the door or they bark at the window and we shout, you know, Boris, stop barking. And he does one more bark. And then we shout, come here. Good boy, Boris. Well done for stop barking and give him a treat. Boris is just following logic when he says, if I go to the window and bark, and she says, stop barking, and then I stop barking or bark one more time, and then get called over, then I get my treat. Yeah. And so the book called What the Dogs Taught Me About Being a Parent is lots of different chapters about lots of different things about the similarities between training dogs and training children. But one chapter is that 
called, it's literally called Humans Are Not Logical, because we don't spot the logic. We don't yeah. spot the fact that there's a pattern and the dog's just following a pattern. And in summary, when it comes to this training inside around the house, a lot of, a lot of what's basically happening is that the dogs are, they're just so logical. Yeah, we're trying to make things a lot more complicated than perhaps they really are. But let, we'll jump into kind of how your, your training kind of ethos and philosophy in a little bit. But how did you kind of start with this dog training, you know, adventure that you're on? Because it's not what your background is at all, is it? No. So I actually did a civil engineering degree in the, at Birmingham University. That's where I started. That's where I come from. And there was no jobs in civil engineering, so I actually became a maths teacher. I had one of those kind of logical brains, I guess. <laughs> loved numbers, loved logic. But then I realized I couldn't, I couldn't work with children for the rest of my life. I was going to end up not wanting children, to be honest. I realized, hang on, if I work with them all day, I won't want any yeah. of my own. And that was just me. So I became a policeman because I had a big heart and I wanted to help people. And I thought, well, that's a great way to help people. But that didn't quite... I mean, I could do these jobs, but they, I wasn't passionate about them is the best way to put it. So I got into sales of IT systems and uh, then emigrated to New Zealand where I did the same thing. And I kind of just moved around jobs going, I can do this job. I worked for a large wine company with a sales team. And then finally I thought, I have to find my passion. I have to find my passion. I'm not, it was almost like I realized I was going to live a life where I'd done okay. I'd done well. I could do all these jobs. I'd had experiences, but I had never fulfilled that burning desire in my core to do something that I was so passionate about that I loved. And also I wanted to discover almost that Dr. Doolittle speaking with the animals. I wanted to communicate with animals and understand what really makes these dogs tick. And I actually went to a careers advisor and, and worked with her and she helped me understand. She said, if you look at your life, you actually, you've always loved dogs. You've always loved dogs. And I never had a dog growing up, but I was always passionate about them. So I just jumped both feet straight in every minute of every day for many, many years and finally discovered what I now know and put it all together and yeah, found, yeah. found some beautiful methods out there on the, on the journey. Yeah. And that's led you to work with hundreds and, and thousands of dogs. I mean, you've, you've had a real range, haven't you? Yeah. I think I worked out, I worked, I've been to over 3000 households to yeah. work with their dogs. Wow. So it actually got to the stage where I was visiting the same house many, many years later when they'd moved out. And I'm walking into houses going, this is like deja vu. I recognize this house. And then I'd actually say, I know I'm working with Squeaky the Chihuahua, but did the people who used to live here have a German Shepherd? And they'd go, yeah, they did. Yeah, I came here about eight years ago. So. Yeah, were they leaving your card on the fridge when they, um, when they moved? <laughs> I don't know what. But it happened more than once. So I thought, right, I've, I've, been, I've been around the... Uh, around the traps now maybe it's time to yeah. <laughs> oh no that's fantastic and then you've helped all of the dogs online which we'll jump to kind of later and and, and talk sure. about all that yep. kind of aspect of, of of what you're doing which is um mm. fantastic as well but you kind of spoke then about you know l learning the, the trade and spending many hours and then kind of coming to the conclusions that you know and the training methods what i kind of really love is jumping online and looking at some of the things you do you know we talk about being leader of the pack and we talk about being an alpha in our home pack but you know, when we think of that or when I think of that, I, you know, I think of kind of a lot of old fashioned, like, you know, real dominance, real force, shouting, yeah. physical, you know, hitting, all that kind of thing. But that's, yeah. you know, that's really not the way, is it? No, not at all. I mean, anybody who knows me knows I've got one of the biggest hearts. I got one of the biggest hearts. I really have. And uh, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm a lover, not a fighter at the end of the day. <laughs> I really am, you know. <laughs> 
I might be a big guy, but I, I got a big heart. And, you know, I'm a father of two children. And I, I, that's why I wrote the book, because the way I work with my dogs and train the dogs is the way I am as a father, which is it's all about the love. And, and with my children, it's not about using and it's not about an overuse of treats and chocolate i have to say if being a good parent was just about finding the right sweets and chocolate to train your children no one would have a problem with parenting yeah but unfortunately it isn't it's nowhere it's way harder than just finding the right sweets or treats to bribe your children and i'm also not a big fan of you know smacking kids and hitting kids and forcing kids i always said it's it's just not the way to use that force and even scare tactics with children. I'm not a big fan of threats and, and raising that voice. And yet I'm the first to admit, I, I, I did start to struggle. I was, I've developed a lot as a, as a human being, but it's that path, it's the similarity between finding how to connect with your children in a calm, gentle, kind, loving way and realizing it's that same energy which the dog is actually really wanting. Yeah. That when you can hold that presence with the dog, and say, I got this, I know what's going on, and I'm in charge is probably the best way of putting it, and I love you, and I'm going to look after you. Trust me, respect me, trust me, follow me, and I will look after you. When you know how to do with that with the dog, then you can win round an 80-kilogram, was 170-pound Great Dane. Yep. And that's why when I left these uh, lovely couple last night, they were so excited because they've used all the treats. And they're getting backed into a corner because the dog's basically saying, when I do this, you feed me. And if you don't, you're in trouble because yeah. you have not won my mind. Yeah. And, and with that dog, you can't physically overpower him. So they were really in trouble because neither of those approaches works. Yeah. The bribery, the physical force. But what, what was missing was this ability to, to form a really deep connection with the dog, which said, I'm in charge, I'm running the show, and you really need to listen to me. And that's yeah. almost the training that needs to happen in and around the house before they even leave the house. Because if you get it right in the house, you're going to be okay outside and everything else. And we have that same problem with our kids. You know, we think we can have terribly behind, behaved kids and threaten them and bribe them and all the rest of it behind closed doors. And they're suddenly going to behave outside. Doesn't work that way. They do know how to push our buttons sometimes, I find. But <laughs> oh, yeah. We can oh, all, yeah. you know, it's aiming for that consistency, <laughs> isn't it? And we're, we're all it human is. and we're all fallible. I mean, one thing I, I wonder if a lot of people get in trouble with, with, their, with, with how they're treating their dogs is because dogs, you know, they've moved from being outside in the kennel to inside to in the bedroom and they're part of the family. And that's something that absolutely I fundamentally agree with and, and believe the mm. animal human bond is is huge but we're treating them as mini people as children rather than as dogs um and so yeah. that communication is is kind of yeah it's confusing them because it's not how they need to be addressed and it's not how they feel safe i, th I think you're absolutely right it's where do we draw that line between we love them they're part of the family however they're dogs and and so don't get me wrong i mean i love my dogs so much i feel like i give them I give them so much love, attention. You know, Jack's got a, a woolly jacket. He sleeps indoors on a on a merino bed. <laughs> he has a blanket which you put over him. He he's a you know seventy pound, big, strong, beefy boy. But he whines at night, which basically means he wants wrapping up. Yeah, and it's one of the, I'll put my hand up and admit it was one of the times I made the mistake of saying if you whine because you're cold, <laughs> I'll get out of bed and come and wrap you up. Well, 
that became a big problem because it was like he was whining twice a night. <laughs> so we bought him a jacket. So all I'm saying is I have a big heart for my dogs Yeah. when it comes to them, you know. But there also has to be this place where I'm in charge, my wife's in charge, just like with the children. At the end of the day, if you wind it back, we keep. it's why I love referring back to children in a way and uh, drawing those similarities because I love my children, but they don't make the big decisions. Yep. They don't say to us, Dad, I want, you know, they're only age 10 years old, nine and 10, but they don't tell us what to do. Ultimately, my wife and I make decisions on where we're going to go on holiday. Um, and when they're very young, you see, when the kids are very young, they make even less big decisions. So yeah. I would say, think of, your, think of your dogs, even though they're super intelligent, as, as very young kids, where you need to be making the majority of the decisions, not letting your children say, I want to eat chocolate now. I want to dance on the, the bonnet of the car. I want to sit in the driver's seat. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want to go to bed. Yeah. It's, do you want to wear the green or the red socks? That's the decision that you get to make. <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. then hopefully wearing it, socks. <laughs> exactly, wearing socks. So you, you let the dogs have these tiny little decisions. Yeah. Do you want to run, run left or right? Do you want to run over there or over there? But when I, when I blow my whistle or when I shout your name, that's not optional. You come running to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so... We give our dogs so many decisions and let them make so many things because we think it's cute or we just feel like we're hurting their feelings or we overlove them or he likes his, you know, he likes eating his dinner at the table with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they, but if we're putting those boundaries in place, they actually feel happier and more comfortable and safer, don't they? Totally, yeah. totally. I mean, separation anxiety is one of the classic examples of people. Just, it's so misunderstood and it's so simple, in my opinion, that separation anxiety is not a boredom thing. You can see that because 99% of owners come home, dog's been barking their head off, annoying the neighbors, destroyed the house, stressed, he's not happy, he's been running around in circles, he's chewed the washing, he's dug huge holes, he's not settled. You know, my dogs, you leave them for five hours, they just lie there, they just relax in the sun. No worries in the world, meditating and happy. And that's how most dogs should be. But these dogs with separation anxiety are so stressed and yet when you walk in the house, most people say, well, he just lies down when I come home. Yeah. He's been digging holes and chewing, washing and barking all day long. And a lot of people who have a barky dog go, I've never heard him bark. He never barks until you leave the house and yeah. then he's super stressed. And the reason for it is because in my opinion, it's, it's very much a hierarchy thing where the dog says, I'm in charge and I'm meant to be looking after you. They've established themselves as the one who's meant to be looking after the owner. And of course, you go to work every day at eight o'clock in the morning poor dog's left there going, I can't look after you. So it's almost like a mother or a parent who's meant to be looking after a baby. Baby wanders off out the house at eight o'clock in the morning up onto the main road. Well, the mum, as a human, you don't just sit down if your child's on the main road outside. You don't sit down, make a cup of tea and go, oh, good, I'll have a break and get the magazine <laughs> out and start reading. You, you do whatever you can to get that baby back under your care so you can look after them. And, and that's very much what the dogs do. They, you know, I've worked with I've worked with a dog who he even he smashed through two car windows to get out of the car because he was so determined he had to get back to his owner. And um, the owner was buying fish and chips. So you imagine a huge mastiff comes in the fish and chip shop covered in blood because he smashed through a window. And the lady went, oh, it's okay. It's my dog. He just wants to be with me. That's what they'll do to kind of feel like I need to look after you. I'm coming to. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's it's amazing what they will do and the destruction levels and the damage they'll do is just incredible. 
Um, and a lot of people are having problems like that at the moment, or will soon to have problems like that with pandemic puppies across the world. I mean, I know my yes. colleagues are seeing a lot of that. I'm sure people in your kind of sphere are, are seeing that problem yeah. and treating that. And it's it's always better if we can prevent these problems, just like anything, just, I mean, the obesity that I spoke about at the very beginning, if we can prevent that from ever being a problem, our dogs will be so much happier and healthier. If we can prevent these feelings of yes. anxiety, then how much happier are our pets going to be? So a big question that we can only talk about for a few minutes, but how how can we go about uh, having this gentle approach, but still being the ch- yeah. being in charge and being the alpha? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great question, and and this is this is my real passion: understanding how do you say to the dog, "I'm in charge," and still be loving. I mean, a, a very good example is is the is how we interact with our dogs: the pats, cuddles, and affection. And you know, most people, the dogs kind of walk up to you. And they kind of jump up on your lap if it's a little dog or stick their head between your legs. And if you sat on the couch, or flop on top of you and say, kind of, give me a, give me a pet, give me a cuddle. And the owners immediately go, oh, he loves me. He loves me. And, um, mm, yeah, yeah, nah, as we say in New, in New Zealand, yeah, nah, kind of. But if I walk up to my wife and I lean on her and say, hey, babes, I love you so much. Just massage me here. I've got a sore shoulder. And then when she stops massaging me, I kind of point to go, hey. Don't stop. I didn't say so. Keep going. Just keep going. And, and the, my wife would not go, oh, he loves me so much. He wants me to massage him. He loves me. She wouldn't do that. She'd say, mm, you know. Get so basically <laughs> when our dogs, yeah, when our dogs walk up to us and say, massage me here, pat me here, stroke me, they're just telling us what to do. Sure, they may love us. But at the end of the day, they're telling us they want affection. They want pats and cuddles. Now do it. And we being uh, whatever it is, we just want to go into that zone of loving our dogs. We kind of oblige. So all you have to do is that, and, and this is just a very small example. You flip it around that pats, cuddles, and affection. And basically, when you want to give your dog pats and cuddles and affection, you call the dog over. So instantly, you're already training a recall. That may sound no big deal. And you might go, well, what's that going to do? That is huge. Immediately, what you're doing is... Because the other part of it is the flip side is if your dog comes up to you and says, give me a pat, you kind of just close your body language down, fold your arms, close your legs, turn your body away a little bit. And if the dog's little and jumps on top of you, you pick them, you're sitting on the couch, pick them up, put them on the floor. And what you're doing is you say, you, I'm not a, I'm not like a rug that you just come and jump on or a, a trampoline. I'm not a, you know, I'm not just a big cushion to lie on. And I don't do, I'm just not a, a massaging machine. And, and so you make your pats and cuddles very valuable because the dog starts going, well, how do I get pats, cuddles, and affection? I would love some affection. You're not being mean. You're just saying, you get pats, cuddles, and affection. You just got to listen for your name. And when I say your name and you come running, you get pats, cuddles, and affection. And lo and behold, you get that happening around the house. Then you go to the park, you, know, you call the dog's name, and the dog comes running. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, and then if to- you throw, well, you don't need to use food treats. Yeah. You're right. However, if you really want to boost it, that's when you can start using the food treats as well. Yeah, but they're a t- they become a, then a tool in your toolkit rather than the the only thing that you carry around with yeah. you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then that's that, right. Yeah, so that's that's. And fantastic. you use them like a little jackpot. So it's kind of random. You use treats randomly every now and then, so the dog never knows when they're going to get the yeah. food treats. And and using them randomly is just so much more powerful than just expecting getting one every single time. Yeah, but I think the way you describe that working is just it's beautiful really because i think people don't realize how much the dogs just want pets cuddles and affection you know and how powerful that that 
is. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, actually doing it on our terms is, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. So uh, the other way of putting it, you see, is, is I always say, if you keep giving your pets, cuddles and affection away for free, it becomes worthless. I mean, even that microphone in front of you and my microphone in front of me, I mean, that man, it's a hundred bucks. But if you could pick up boxes of these microphones at the um, gas station, the petrol station, take as many of these mics as you want. We can't sell this microphone for 10 bucks. People would be like, no, they're giving them away for free at the gas station. I'm not buying that off you. It loses all its value if it's free. Absolutely. And they caught on to that very quickly. And yeah, they do. and they train us to be massage machines, which I, I, I love that <laughs> phrase as well. It's brilliant. Uh, um, so that's, you know, that's obviously a fraction of, of the technique. And, but, you know, it's a very powerful mm. thing that people can start and, and, and it doesn't take any equipment. It doesn't take anything special for people to start doing that. And I, I imagine they'll see changes pretty quickly once they start implementing oh, yeah. these ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I go to work with people, the way I work is I go to their houses and work with them for a couple of hours, two hours. And really, I'm, it's, edu- it's actually edutainment. It's not just education. It's entertainment as well thrown in there. So it's two hours of ed- education with a bit of entertainment. And, and basically what I'm doing is just sharing with people how to, how to put this in place. Within that two hours, very often I've got dogs eating out of my hand, yeah. um, not physically eating food, but just they cannot... They are just like so obedient. And these are dogs who the people thought they were untrainable and and very often about to get rid of them because they just think they can't be trained. So it can happen that fast. Often a good measure is kind of within a couple of days, you're seeing some big changes. And within a couple of weeks, you really have got pretty much a different dog. Yeah, because they're smart. Dogs are smart and they'll soon cotton on and they soon pick everything up. I mean, I find it amazing. Like the range of dogs that I see in the clinic, you know, we'll get the working dogs come in. They don't need a lead. They they do exactly Mm. what that owner wants. I mean, we have them coming in with broken legs that are, you know, flapping in the breeze and you, you know, it makes your stomach turn a little bit, but they're quite happy. They'll let you examine them because they trust, you know, they trust the the person and they trust humans, whether that's me who's never met them before or their owner and then you have other dogs that you know they're a bit anxious and maybe they're pulling on the lead they're not that well behaved but actually when if we're you know having them in for a surgery or something like that they still know kind of their place if you like and they'll listen to us and you go in you know in the cage and they'll quite happily walk in you know even though we've never met them before i think that's probably our body language and how we're interacting with them as well and then we've got other dogs that are just you know they they are the boss in their household And there is no way that we're doing anything with them that they don't want to. Thankfully, they're normally pretty small, so we can pick them up and carry them and put them in their cage. But, you know, that even for me, I think I, you know, I could probably get a good idea of where the dog and the human sit in that, Absolutely. You know, that kind of pyramid. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it is a lot of the little dogs are, I don't know if this is doggist, but a lot of the little dogs can break more of the rules because they're so cute is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we and we can manhandle them when we need them as well. So you know, owners can. Can, owners can pick them up and hold them on yep. the lead when they can't on with that great dane. That's right. So those little dogs often become worst behaved because they think they're really in charge, and they become more stressed. I see more stressed little dogs than big dogs yeah, because yeah. they get away with stuff that big dogs just wouldn't. I mean, you might have little Fido sat on his little chair waiting for a little bit of nibble off the off the table, but you wouldn't have the eighty kilogram uh, great dane sat on a chair. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if I could tell you a quick story, I, I had one lady, she said to me, um, we have a problem. My dog barks at night. I said, okay. She said, my husband and I have really had it. We've had enough of it. He's barking all, all night long. I said, okay, explain, describe the situation. She said, well, my, my dog, the dog sleeps in our bed and he actually likes to, he sleeps 
on my husband's pillow, kind of on top of his head, on his head. And the dog, and we, the, they'll hear a noise and he'll just start barking. And we've done everything we can and nothing works. And um, I listened kind of smiling because I've done this a long time. <laughs> I said, I said to her, because it was a small dog, I think it was a Dachshund or something. Yeah. I said, shall I tell you the real problem? She said, yep, yep. I said, the real problem, Margaret, is your husband has a dog on his head. <laughs> she said, so, so I don't understand. I said, the real problem, Margaret, your husband is sleeping with a dog on his head. She said, oh, I see. You think that's, you think that's part of the problem? I said, Margaret, <laughs> imagine this was a German shepherd dog. <laughs> he demanded that he's... And so these little dogs, they get away with all sorts of things and we don't see the funny side. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think yeah, she got... brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But when, it, but when like, it's pointed out to her, that probably the light oh, bulb clicked. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that makes completely sense. There are yeah. probably some people out there who do sit with German Shepherds on their head at night, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure <laughs> sure they're squashed up to the tiny edge of the edge of the mattress. So, there's a, yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot to this process. And you've also got a fantastic online training kind of platform with lots of uh, kind of lessons and a very active forum as well. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, about that? Yes. So, basically, after I'd worked uh, using this approach for about a year, I realized it was perfectly possible to put all these this training because there's a lot of it is educating the owners like i say stuff to do stuff not to do and so I, I created a video website which is called the online dog trainer and i put in there about 300 short videos and don't worry you don't have to watch them all but there's a, there's a key section called the dog calming code and that is the bit where you win your dog's mind you put the dog calming code in place and it's a very powerful program because it's the bit which is it's the usually the bit which is underpinning everything or not underpinning everything where you get your dog to listen, focus on you, calm down, switch off, and become that happy, relaxed dog. And then you can put the training on top of that. So the the the, the online dog trainer.com website is basically where you can, if you're interested in, in finding out more about this method, if there's a one dollar trial currently. It's been there for many, many years. So it's absolutely kind of Check it out. See if you like it. It's a dollar trial for three days, one US dollar. Yeah, and that's a real no-brainer. And I'll say because I've I've kind of jumped in there and, and spent a little bit, mm. not a huge amount of time, but from you know for a dollar trial, you'll get you'll get. I mean, you'll get amazing value if you you know mm. as soon as you get in, and you'll appreciate that. I guess because uh, a lot of a lot of training and it's the principles and the education, like you say. Oh. So you don't need to have somebody in person and at the current time, wherever you are in the world, it may be that that's not an option for you as well, but it doesn't mean that you can't get the benefit of having an experienced dog trainer, you know, help you with your, with your problem. So I think online training from that point of view is hugely, hugely valuable. Absolutely. Plus the fact I, I paid a lot of money to have a cameraman come around with me and he videoed me for hundreds and hundreds of hours. And we took all the best bits, the funniest, the best clips, which highlighted things, incidences, and we put them all, we edited them down, hundreds of videos, and they're all in there. So in fact, what you see is the highlights of hundreds and hundreds of consults. Yeah. You get to see all the highlights, which if I come around to your house, you don't actually get to see that. You just see. Yeah, and seeing all those different real world examples is, um, yeah. And the other thing is, yeah, the other thing is for puppies, you can see the whole, I've got a program in there, a project called Project Moses, which is me raising my puppy from eight weeks through to eight months. Can you imagine seeing the same puppy at eight weeks, yep. two months, three months, four months, up to eight months, and you can see him now aged kind of uh, eight years old. So you see the whole transition. 
and uh, yeah, and giving you that step that by step. Because a lot of the time, I think with a lot of things with health and with training, we think, oh well, what's next, or what what's the next thing that we need to be thinking about? Oh, I don't want to miss out, or oh no, I'm a bit too late with that, or whatever. So that's um, yeah, an amazing way of doing yeah. that. Yeah. And then kind of just to finish finish off, Dan, I mean, this has been a, a I mean, I, I love talking to people like you because I, I, I learn a lot, like I'm not a trainer. I mean, I work with dogs, but I've, I've, yeah. Yeah, you know, never trained my own dog. And so I always learn a huge amount, which is, yeah, which is one of the joys of me doing, doing what I do. Yes. Um, yes. So your background is not in dog training, but you've become, you know, this very successful dog trainer who's helped, you know, countless dogs, both in person and online. This, you know, the people listening to this are going to love dogs. And there's a lot of, you know, change in the world at the minute. Anyone can become a dog trainer, can't they, with the right kind of mentoring and the right instruction? Yeah. I mean, I always kind of try to make sure I'm not being silly and say anyone can become a dog trainer. Within um, reason, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just. <laughs> My my logical mathematical brain kicked in there. Not, yeah. not everybody. Not everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would say people. If you if you're interested in having a dog business, and it doesn't have to be full time at all. It's really about if you have that passion for dogs, and um, and you'd like to know more about actually helping people with dogs rather than just training your own dog. I do have a a website, a, a program called Dog Trainer Academy, and dogtraineracademy.org is basically a a membership site which i put together it's a full program which about 120 140 people i think now have been through around the world so right through from uh, japan to the uk to canada america obviously and um, people have just gone in there and they can see full consults of me working with dogs from start to finish that full two hours as well as a lot of other training which helps people kind of go wow i could step into this and the two main things I would say you need if you if you would like to work with dogs. The two things which will really help you. One is one is a love of dogs, obviously, a passion to help dogs. The other one, and this is the one that people don't don't get, is an ability to to get on with people or care a little bit about it. You have to care a little bit about people. You can't hate people. Put it that yep. way. That's the other way yep. of putting it. You can't hate people and love dogs. Well, you can, but you're gonna <laughs> struggle because a lot of this is about educating. And yeah. loving people and being wanting to help. So if you're sitting there going, I don't know if I'd be a good dog trainer or could work with dogs. If you if you love people, if you like helping people, then maybe check it out. Uh, yeah, go to yeah. dogtraineracademy.org. Yeah, I think that's the same with being a vet. Like a lot of people coming yes. to the profession, you know, they know from the age of three years old that they want to be a vet. That wasn't me. I decided when I was about 17 or 18. But they think I love animals and I just get to work with animals. Um, some people are absolutely loving the t current time because they don't have the owners attached to the animals in the clinic. But actually, I think the biggest joy in my work is actually the the relationships that I form with my clients. Sure, the dogs yes. and the cats are fantastic, yes. but those relationships are vital because if you don't have that relationship with the person, the owner on the end of the lead, then nothing happens. You've got to have their buy-in, and it's exactly the same with training. You're trying to convince people to change the behaviour of a lifetime effectively. Mm, They've got to trust absolutely. you. Absolutely. And as long as your desire is there to help people and want to become better with people, don't worry if you've never presented or spoken to big groups of people. The beauty, part of the beauty of this, the way I work is I, you know, I literally drive around to people's houses. They turn up like I'm a celebrity and offer me a cup of tea, and I sit in the big armchair and just start yeah. sharing and they just love love it because i have the knowledge that they need and it's just a case of sitting there almost i see them as a friend i have a big heart so i immediately see them as a friend i want to help and i want to share 
and they just want to listen and understand. And then sure, we get to work with the dogs a bit as well, but that's almost an extra. That's a bonus. Yeah. That's real strong parallels between, I think anyone who works in probably in the dog cat pet industry, that's if you're working with that, the animals, you're working with the people as well. But it'll be really good information to learn for people who are dog walkers and pet sitters and all that kind of thing as well, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone who's in who's working with dogs who runs a doggy daycare, I mean, my goodness me. If you run a doggy daycare and you're listening to this and you really want to know, partly because you can, you know, I worked at a doggy daycare and I'd have 30, I was put in the big dog section, 30 big dogs. So I'd have 30 German Shepherds, Rottweilers, you know, Staffy, Pity Crosses. And I knew how to control the whole pack. And it was just phenomenal. I had a, oh, I've got my dear dog. I get, can I show you a photo of dear Hudson? This was the king. Of, this was the king. I don't know if you can sit. Ah, oh, there he is. That's <laughs> Hudson. This was the king in my doggy daycare pack. Yeah. Hudson was the king. And I watched how he operated in that pack. So my greatest teachers have always been the dogs. Yeah. And I watched what he did. Because when he entered that pack of 30 dogs, the whole pack calmed down. If he was, I'd turn up, I'd say, is Hudson here today? And they'd say, yep. I'd be like, yes. <laughs> My job's going to be easy. He was there. Come. Job's going to yeah. be easy because they all went, he's in charge. Everybody chill out, relax. He's got it all covered. And I just mirrored what he was doing, which was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And and that's what I share with people. How, how can you kind of walk into your own household and get your one or two or three or four or whatever, however many dogs you have to all calm down and settle. Yeah. And that's why the main program in my membership site and which I share with people is called the dog calming code because when yeah. they calm down and they listen, they're focused on you. Yeah. And then and they're happier and they be healthier yeah. and they're, yeah, they're going to be living their best life by yeah treating them as a dog and being a family member at the same time. Yeah. I would say being calm, calm and kind, calm, yeah. clear and kind is a good summary of how we need to be as parents, as people in general. Yeah. Fantastic. Dan, this has been an amazing conversation. I've learned loads. For everybody who's listening, I'll leave all of the links in the in the show notes. So definitely go and check out um, all of those platforms, whatever you're interested. Go and read the book. It's definitely on my shopping list now. So I can yeah, understand my kids a little bit better. Yeah, thanks so much for spending your time with us, Dan. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been great to uh, get to know you, Alex. Like you said, it's always part of the fun is getting to know other great people. So great to meet you. And thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Take care. Big thanks again to Dan for that amazing information and education session that he gave. Um, and edutainment is a great word as well. What fantastic stories he had to share. But they really do highlight the need to care for our dog's mental well-being as well as, well as their physical well-being if we want them to truly be as happy and healthy and living their best life possible. I'll leave all of those links that we talk about as well as links to Dan's book and training platforms in the show notes. So make sure you head over to those to dive deeper into the topics that we discussed today. And as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can catch me over on Instagram where um, you'll find me at Our Pets Health. Uh, Send me a DM, leave a comment on one of my posts. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. You know, what are your take home messages? Are you going to change how you manage your dog? I imagine there's something there for every single dog owner to take something away from to do something differently. And I'd love to hear what that is for you. 
As always, make sure you hit that subscribe button on your podcasting app if you're not already subscribed. And for those of you who do enjoy the show, I'd appreciate an honest review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps more than you can imagine with other people finding the show and letting them know it's something that's worth their while listening to. And if you'd rather not do that, then simply sharing it with one or two members of your friends or family circle will help more than you can imagine. And thank you so much in advance. But for now, that's it from me. I'm Dr. Alex. This is The Call the Vet Show. And until next time, take great care. Thanks for listening to Call the Vet. For full show notes and any links mentioned in today's show, head over to callthevet.org. We'll see you next time.